Bible is with you, uh, you can turn with me to the Gospel of John. If you don't have a Bible in your seat backs, there's Bibles available to you. So if you turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Today our passage is, is uh, John 14, verses 21 through 24. everybody time to get there. I know I know we have it here on the overhead, but I know some people enjoy reading it in their Bible as well. Uh, before we go on and read, I, I want to kind of recap what we talked about last week just a little bit because it, it goes it goes so well into the passage that uh, we are going to talk about today. Uh, last Sunday, we, we read how Jesus promised the Holy Spirit uh, to the disciples. He did this in verses 15 through 20. And when he promised the Holy Spirit to the disciples, there was an introduction. It was sort of a, an introduction for the disciples of who the Holy Spirit was and, and what he did. And so we learned that the Holy Spirit was another helper uh, from God. And the reason why he's another helper is because you have God the Father, God the Son, and you have God the Holy Spirit who make up the Trinity. And he is another helper. He is the, the third person of the one essence of God. And in being their helper, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would be with them forever, that he would never leave them, never forsake them, and that they would have his presence at at all times. Also that he would reveal truth to them, so much so that he is called the spirit of truth, that he would dwell in them. So not only is he with them forever, he's not beside them, but rather he is in them. And then also that he would show them God, in any and all circumstances, uh, he would show them God where other people cannot see God. And then he would cause them to be spiritually alive. So this is not an all-inclusive list of what the Spirit uh, can do or what he does. But rather, this is just, again, an introduction into what the, how the Holy Spirit would help his disciples. Now, the awesome thing about that is that the promise of the Holy Spirit was not only for the disciples. It was also for God's universal church his true church. So the Holy Spirit is not only their helper, but as we understand scripture, uh, the Holy Spirit is our helper as well. And he was given to the church after Jesus' ascension, and he continues with us throughout eternity. And that's what it means for him to be with us forever. That's the blessing that we have as God's people. And what a comfort it is to have God reside in us. It's wonderful to be able to go through this life and we're, we're not alone. Uh, even though we do feel like it at times, that is not true. That is a lie from the enemy. We are not alone. We always have his spirit in us and we always have the help that we need. So it's a wonderful gift that he has given to the church. But notice, not everyone in the world receives the Holy Spirit. And listen, this is a hard message for an all-inclusive world. Because, you know, in today's society, everybody has to win. Everybody has to be included. Everybody has to be accepted. And when those things aren't done, then that's frowned upon. But those things are only done on the surface. It's only for looks. But here the gospel is saying that the Holy Spirit is not with everyone in the world. He's only with the church. That's it. See, that's what makes us the church, the fact that we have the Holy Spirit. 
That's what makes us a church and not a club or an organization. We're a body, not an organization. And that's why we run differently. We're a spiritual family. And we're all connected, not by blood, but we're connected by his spirit. And the faith that we have proclaimed in his son. So it's a, it's a wonderful gift that he has given to the church, but not everyone in the world receives the Holy Spirit, but only those who love him. So what does it mean to love Christ? That's one important question that I'd like to answer for you today. And then the second important question is, what does it mean to have the Holy Spirit in you? So those two questions, what does it mean to love Christ and what does it mean to have the Holy Spirit in you? Well, it's a good thing for us that Jesus answers these questions in our text today. So let's go ahead and read verses 21 through 24. It says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come and make and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. So what's really cool is that in verse 21, um, Jesus starts off with whoever keeps my commandments, whoever has my commandments and keep them, basically he is the one who loves me. We have to connect verse 21 with verse 15. Verse 15 actually started this whole thought because in verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then he goes and introduces the Holy Spirit and then he comes back to this whole thing about loving him and keeping his commandment his commandments in verse 21. Now, this is an indicative, we said, this is a spiritual truth, that if we, if we love God, then we'll keep his commandments. Now, there are a lot of people who would read that and see that as very judgmental, because there are a lot of people who proclaim to love God, but then they live any way they want. And here, here's a really important spiritual truth, because that's what an indicative is, Christ is saying, no, you can't say you love me and then live any way you want. If you truly love me, then you will keep my commandments. If you truly love me, then you will be obedient to me. That is the message that he's given. And so it, it, it's not judgmental. It is what it is. It's complete truth. And so when we look at that, we have to really seek our own hearts. We have to seek our own motives. We have to inspect our own lives to see if that is true for us or not. Not true for us, but true in us. Because if we love God, the word of God says we will keep his commandments. Notice that in order for us to keep his commandments, it says in verse 21 that we must first possess it. Let me read that for you. It says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he, is, he it is who loves me. 
he it is who loves me. Yeah, that, that, that last tears me up every single time, that last part of that sentence. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So in order for us to, uh, to, to keep his commandments, Jesus says we must first have them. Well, what does it mean to have his commandments? That's an important question that we have to answer. Obviously, it means that we are in possession of them. Right? In order to have them, we have to be in possession of them. Some way, somehow, we have to own them, we have to have them available to us. But it goes further than that, right? It has to. It can't just mean that, that we have them, but rather it also means not only are we in possession of them, but we must understand them. We must understand them. I mean, how many of us, and I'm guilty of this because uh, I, I'm pastor's library. I'm always trying to build up my library. I'm buying books. I see books and I buy them. And sometimes they'll, some of these books will sit on my shelf for a while. I have them. I haven't read them. So I don't understand what's in them, but I have them. And I'll eventually get to them. It just takes some time sometimes. But just because we have something doesn't mean that we understand it because we have to get into it. We have to study it. We have to learn it. Again, this is proof that just because you have a Bible doesn't mean you're going to know biblical truths. You got to get into it. You got to study it. You got to memorize it. You got to do those things that God has called us to do uh, with it. But it also it also points to the fact that we have to grasp these commandments. We have to get a hold of them to understand them. Kind of reminds me of, of, of a movie called The Book of Eli. And I'm not promoting the movie. Please don't go and watch it and say, Pastor told me to watch this movie. And I'm not even doing that. It just it's a great, it brings in a really great point. In the Book of Eli, there is this blind man who's basically walking around uh, trying to get to a place and he has the Bible with him. And the bad guys are chasing the blind guy because they want the Bible. They want to use the Bible to control the people. And the whole movie is about, that's basically the premise of the movie. They're chasing him, and he's trying to get away. And they finally, you know, catch up to him. And they, they, the guy, the main, the main bad guy, thinks that he finally has what he's been needing because this is a, let me back up a little bit, this is a world where everything has been destroyed and all the Bibles have been burned. So there's no known existence uh, or Bible in existence at that time. Well, this guy, this blind guy has a Bible. They catch up to him, they get the Bible, and he thinks, I finally got it. Now I have the power to control the people. He opens it up, and it's in Braille. He can't understand it. So it's useless to him. So the commandments are useless to us unless we understand them, unless we grasp them. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. In order for us to love him, we must first have them. Well, how do we get them? Well, we don't get them, even if we have a Bible and we open it and we read it, as humans, without the Spirit, we are limited to what we can understand. Because the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is the one who deciphers truth to us as we read his word. So not everybody grasps it. Only those who have the Spirit of God can truly come to understand his word. 
So in order for us to love him, we must first have his commandments. And we are blessed because we have the Holy Spirit who comes in and he is the one who helps us to understand the word of God. Why? Because he is the spirit of truth. Now, once we understand the word of God, then then you and I have a, a very important decision to make. Every single time we read the word. This decision is, is, is present every time we read it. It's read to us. It's taught to us. It's preached to us. Are we going to obey it or not? That's the decision that we have to make. We've been given the ability to, to have the Bible, to understand it. It's been preached to us. It's been taught to us. We're able to read it. We're able to study it. But are we going to walk in obedience to it? Let's remember what Christ said. He says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, keeps them, he is the one who loves me. So as we have this decision to make, we need to have that on our minds. The love that we have for Christ. We've made a proclamation of faith that we follow him. We made a proclamation of faith that we will follow him. That we have forsaken all others and that we follow him and him only. But when you are about to make any decision throughout the day, you have to ask yourself again, am I still following Christ in what I'm about to do? Because that makes all the difference in the world. Uh, let's turn to 1 John chapter 2. You might want to keep your Bible on 1 John because we're going to visit this passage, and then we have another one in chapter 4 that we're going to visit. This one's, this one's so great. Sometimes you're, you're looking, as you're studying uh, for a sermon, you're, you're seeing your main text, and you always want to uh, back up that text with other texts. It's, all, it's called cross-referencing. You want to cross-reference. There's more that you can learn from another text. There's another text that really brings that thought, uh, really brings it home. And when you find, like, a perfect text... Uh, from the word of God, it's just, it's just awesome to bring them together. So look at First uh, John chapter 2, and I want to read to you verses 1 through 6. He says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Okay, we got that. He's writing these things to us so that we may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Listen, that is the good news of the gospel. He's writing it so that we won't sin, but he says, if you do sin, you have Christ, who has given his life for your sin. So there is encouragement there, there is assurance there. That's the message of the gospel, that's the good news. But he continues, and by this we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments. Does that sound familiar? It should. John's writing First John. He's also writing the gospel of John. So this seems to be something that's on John's mind very often. So he says, let me read, read that to you. He says, uh, and by this we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, 
Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. Well, let's just get to the point. Pretty black and white, right? He just says he's a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. I love verse 6. That verse 6 is like a, it's like a home run. Hit the ball out of the park. Listen. What the Bible was saying here is to love Christ is to follow his teachings. To walk in obedience to them. Essentially to walk in the same way as Christ walked. As he walked. See, that's why we are called Christians. Because we follow our Savior. This is important because being a Christian is more than just obtaining a title. It's more than just joining a church. It's more than just a confession. It's also obedience to his word. It includes living in obedience to his word. But see, that's where it becomes very unpopular. Because we have to be careful. We as God's universal church, as God's true church, we have to be very careful because the label Christian is being used all over the world and it is being misused. People have that name Christian and they just think, well, it's just a title that I get because I've done something in the past. It's much more deeper than that. People treat it as a club or an organization that once you're in it, then there's really nothing you have to do. You got your card, now you're in it, and now you can call yourself that for the rest of your life. There is a distinction that Christ makes here. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So it's more, again, it's more than a title. It it involves us walking in obedience to his word. And then Jesus continues. Look at the end of verse 21. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now, this is really cool because, uh, first of all, it's really important. This is really important for us to know. That if we love God, listen very carefully, there is no worry, you should have no worry about him not loving you. You should have no worry about, about you loving him and him not loving you. Now, you may think, well, I mean, that's pretty obvious, Pastor. No, it's not. If you talk to enough people, there are people in this world who walk around and they cannot have healthy relationships because of how somebody has hurt them. Be it a parent, a sibling, a a, a teacher, a mentor, a boyfriend, whoever it is, there are people who cannot love They don't trust themselves to love because they feel like whoever they love will not love them back. And so they walk around miserable, not being able to develop healthy relationships because of that. It happens more than you think. And even us, us who have been burned by certain people, certain situations, sometimes we're reluctant to do the same thing. 
We may have, end up having a healthy relationship, but it's still something that we struggle with. We don't have to struggle with that concerning God. The Bible says that if we love him, he will love us. It's even deeper than that. Because that sounds like, okay, well, if I love God, then he'll love me. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 4. Let's find out what comes first, the chicken or the egg. 1 John chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. When you're there, say amen. All right, I want to make sure everybody puts their eyes on this. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Okay, now you can turn back to the Gospel of John. See, the fact that we have the ability to love God only comes from the love that we have received from him. We couldn't love God unless he loved us first. He displays this love in many ways, but there is one sure way that he displays it. He displays it by giving us another helper. By giving us the spirit of truth, by giving us the Holy Spirit. See, it is the Holy Spirit's power that causes us to love him. And it is the Holy Spirit's presence in us that shows God's love for us. It it goes back and forth. It's a wonderful and beautiful thing. So for those who love him, the Bible says that the Father and Christ will love them and give them the Holy Spirit. That is a promise, that is a guarantee, that is for his church. So you don't have to worry about God falling short on his part because he loved you before you loved him. He gifted you with the Holy Spirit who he said he will not take away from you ever because he is with you forever. He provides for you in every way through his presence living in you. That is wonderful news. And it's so encouraging. The Holy Spirit will manifest Christ to the believer. That's what it says in the second part of uh, verse 21. It says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he, is, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. That means to open up, to show himself to us. And the Holy Spirit will make his home in the believer's heart. We see that in verse 23. See, the evidence of the Holy Spirit's presence in the heart of the believer is obedience towards God. If we have the Holy Spirit in us, then we will walk in obedience towards God. You can go to Galatians chapter 5 to understand that, the fruits of the Spirit, and how if the fruit is in you, he's working out God's will in your life, and and 
the good fruit that comes from his work will be evident in your life. So here we kind of, we, we make a full circle. To love Christ means to obey him. That's what, that's what he said in the very beginning of verse 21. To obey him means to have the indwelling Holy Spirit. To have the indwelling Holy Spirit means that you are loved by the Father and the Son. It's a wonderful and beautiful thing. So, if it's so wonderful and so beautiful, then how do we, how do we interact with that? How do we respond to that? How do, how do we walk out of here and take this truth with us and apply it to our lives? See, for me, as I read this text and I look at an application, one of the most important applications that I see is that, that there is a calling for us to walk by faith and in repentance. That's, that's a calling for us, that we have to remember that we have to walk by faith and in repentance. That's the same way how we believe the gospel. Believe it or not, there are people who are confused about how we believe the gospel or how we come to salvation. For some, it, they think it's a prayer. If you repeat these words after me, you do this and you mean it in your heart, then that means you're a Christian. But does the Bible really say that? I, I can't imagine, I don't ever hearing or reading Peter leading somebody in a sinner's prayer in the Bible. What does the Bible say? It says to believe the gospel and repent. So what is that calling us to? It's calling us to faith and repentance. What does that amount to? It it amounts to believing and doing. That's what it amounts to. We can't just believe and that's okay. We can't just believe and then live any way we want. Because that doesn't match up with God's word. And obviously we know we can't just do and not believe. Both have to be present in our lives. We must believe and we must do. And that's exactly what Jesus is reminding the disciples about. And it's perfect timing because he has just introduced the Holy Spirit to them. And he's given them comfort. He's given them comfort in that the Holy Spirit will be with them to do all the wonderful things that we've already talked about. But another thing the Holy Spirit will do is that the Holy Spirit will will make their lives distinct. He will separate them from the world. They will have good fruit. People will recognize that. And the world will have bad fruit. And people will recognize that. So for us, this all teaches us That true conversion goes beyond a proclamation. It includes living in obedience. So true conversion equals faith plus repentance. And repentance, repentance is turning away from your sin. When we were unbelievers, we we followed our sin with all of our hearts. We did what only gratified us. 
We did not care about what it did for others. Maybe at times we felt bad about it, but in reality, it was all about us. So when we were unbelievers, we basically worshipped ourselves. God was either secondary or he wasn't even there. And we followed our sin all the way until we had a beautiful letdown, until we reached rock bottom and God lifted us up. He changed our hearts. He showed us the truth. We started to follow him. And in order for us to repent, that means we have to turn away from our sin and we have to follow God. To love what he loves and to hate what he hates. So when we look at this, this is teaching us that true conversion is faith and repentance. Well, what does the Bible, excuse me, what Jesus says in verses 23 and 24 also back up the fact that obedience is completely necessary. Let's look at verse 23. We're only going to look at the very uh, first part of verse 23. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Okay, now let's look at verse 24. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Now listen, I know that this is a hard sermon to hear because it's black and white. It seems like it's black and white the way John writes it. Well, it seems harsh the way he writes it. Seems like he is saying, if you sin one time, that means you don't love God. And for many who hear a message like this, they may get really discouraged because they know that they're sinners. In fact, we should all know that. We should know that we deal with the flesh and that we still struggle with the flesh. And even though we have been redeemed, we still sin. We are sinners who have been justified. Because Christ, he's the one who lived the perfect life for us. But yet you and I, we still deal and struggle with sin. So we are sinners who are justified. We are saints who still sin. So to hear that if we don't do what God commands, then that means we don't love him. It could be very discouraging. It could be hopeless. Because we know that we sin. In fact, more than likely, you know, the, the day that I sinned, uh, sin a lot, the morning I sin the most is, is on Sunday morning trying to get ready to come to church. Trying to, trying, to, trying to get everybody ready and to come. It's a hectic morning. And it always works out that way. It's okay. It works good for my prayer life. But see, I can't even preach to you and claim that I'm sinless. Not even this morning. So how do we handle a message like this where it says, if you love me, you will follow my commandments? Well, the Greek reads more like this. If one keeps on loving me, he will keep my word. That's what verse 23 reads like. 
verse 24, it reads like this in, in the Greek. The one who keeps on not loving me does not keep my word. I hope that helps you a little bit. It helps me. Let me reread that for you so that you can really hear it and understand it. If one keeps on loving me, he will keep my word. The one who keeps on not loving me does not keep my word. What does this speak to? And this speaks to, number one, justification. The fact that, that we are sinners and we have been justified by a perfect Savior. That we ourselves could not be sinless, but we needed someone to be sinless, and that was Christ. And the death he died on the cross, he died for us. So that we could be forgiven of our sin. And this gift has been given to us by grace, through faith in him. So it speaks to that, but it also speaks to what? Our sanctification, our spiritual growth. Because what happens in sanctification? Well, in sanctification, we do a lot of things right, and we do more things wrong. And God, by his providence and his power and his mercy and his grace, he grows us through all those things. So what's being said here is that through the good, the bad, and ugliness of life, if you keep on loving me, you will do my commandments. What my commandments say. You will keep my commandments. And what's the opposite of that? Well, the opposite of that is the, is the continual hardening of the heart. And when the bad things happen in life, you just get angry at God. You just get angrier and angrier and angrier. And then all of a sudden, you just throw God away in your mind and in your heart. And you continue to live against him. Well, that speaks to verse 24. The one who keeps on not loving me does not keep my word. So is Jesus setting the standard that we cannot meet? Is he setting the standard of perfection that if we sin one time, it means that we don't love him? Of course not. He's simply saying, if you ever, if you ever stop loving him, then there is no way you can keep his word. See, the relationship between us, us having the spirit, us loving God, God loving us, it's all dependent on God. He is the one who holds us in his hands. He is the one that no one can take us. He is the one that holds us in his hands and no one can take us from his hands. It's all dependent on his power. His grace, his mercy. So how do we respond to that? It's pretty simple for me as I read this. It's really simple. No matter what, no matter what, keep on loving him. Well, what does that mean? Well, you know, it means this. Strive for holiness. But when you do sin, as John said in 1 John chapter 2, know that you have an advocate. Know that you have a Savior. Know that your Savior died for that sin. Well, does this mean we can continue on sinning? As Paul says, of course not. 
You've died to sin. Now live for Christ. So what does that mean? What means repent of that sin and continue to strive for holiness. Listen, Christian, it doesn't matter how many times it happens. Do not stop loving God. Do not stop striving for holiness. Don't worry about him letting you go. Don't worry about him not loving you. He loved you before you loved him. So to put it in simple terms, this is what we need to keep on doing. First of all, we need to live a life of repentance. When we sin, we walk away from it. We learn from it. We strive for holiness. But we keep worshiping him. We keep growing. We keep bringing honor and glory to his name. We keep ministering to his church. We keep loving others. We keep walking as Christ walk, no matter what happens to us. If we do those things, we will keep his commandments. And as the Bible said, as the Bible says, he will love us and he will make his home in us forever. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the preciousness of it and the power of it. You are so good to us and you meet our needs through your word and also through the power of your spirit. We also thank you, Father, that we have an advocate who is Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we can pray to. He is our intercessor. He is ever praying for us and ever representing us before you. Father, there is no lying to you. We know that you know our hearts. And for all of us in here, that is a very humbling thing to say and to realize. Because even though you have changed our hearts, we know that we still have sin. But despite that sin, we confess our love to you. And we know this is not a work of our own that we can brag about, but the only reason why we love you is because you first loved us. Help us to continue loving you. For that is impossible for us to do on our own, but with God, anything is possible. Help us to cherish your word and to walk in obedience to it. And when we do sin, help us to walk in repentance. We are ever so grateful of your mercy, your love, and your grace. May it continue to abound in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.